Hey everyone, it's Father Pat, here today to offer you my reflections on the scripture readings for today. Our readings for today are from the 14th Sunday in Ordinary Time. A reading from the book of the prophet Zechariah. Thus says the Lord, Rejoice heartily, O daughter Zion! Shout for joy, O daughter Jerusalem! See, your king shall come to you, a just savior is he, meek and riding on an ass, on a colt, the foal of an ass. He shall banish the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The warrior's bow shall be banished, and he shall proclaim peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our response, I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. I will extol you, O my God and King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day will I bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. The Lord is good to all and compassionate toward all his his works. I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. Let all your works give you thanks, O Lord, and let your faithful ones bless you. Let them discourse of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might. I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. The Lord is faithful in all his words and holy in all his works. The Lord lifts up all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, you are not in the flesh. On the contrary, you are in the Spirit, if only the Spirit of God dwells in you. Whoever does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. If the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, the one who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. Consequently, brothers and sisters, we are not debtors to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. At that time, Jesus exclaimed, I give you praise, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for although you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you have revealed them to little ones. Yes, Father, such has been your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, For I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy, and my burden light. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. King Charles III is the fifth monarch of the British Royal House of Windsor, thanks to his great-grandfather and a nasty war. His great-granddad was King George V, who has the odd distinction of being the last monarch of the House of Saxe-Coburg-Gotha, as well as the first in the Windsor line, because it was his decision to change the name. George's grandmother, Queen Victoria, was not only very fertile, she was also very shrewd. Using her nine children as chess pieces, she married into all, nearly all, the royal houses of Europe. Even today, the royal ruling houses of Norway, uh, Sweden, Denmark, and Spain are descended from Queen Victoria. During the First World War, however, that resulted in a very uncomfortable situation. King George V, Tsar Nicholas II of Russia and Kaiser Wilhelm Wilhelm II of Germany were all first cousins, but the uh, the Germans fought against Great Britain and Russia in the war. 
George decided it wasn't politically correct for the British royal family to carry a name associated with German aggression. With that, the dynasty of Saxe-Coburg-Gotha disappeared. I guess George thought Windsor sounded more peaceful. It certainly sounded more English. Israel certainly fought its share of battles in the Old Testament. The problem, though, is that they lost more than they won. So Zechariah's prophetic message in today's first reading is certainly welcome. Zechariah's ministry was at the end of the Babylonian exile, when King Cyrus allowed some Jews to return to Israel to build Jerusalem, rebuild Jerusalem and the temple. That in itself was a step in the right direction, but Zechariah says that it's only the beginning. The king will one day return as a conquering hero. Israel will be free again. There's an odd element to the prophet's vision, though. Instead of arriving on a stately, powerful warhorse, the Messiah king rides in on a donkey, a beast of burden. Israel's future king will not be Kaiser Wilhelm. He will conquer the world not with brutal force, but with gentle peace. It's a beautiful vision, but is it practical? Can the human race ever be united as one people and live in peace? It's an impossible dream, or so it seems, because no man or woman is able to conquer the evil that lurks inside ourselves. St. Paul acknowledges that inner battle in his letter to the Romans before the verses we read today. He describes it as a war between the spirit and the flesh when he says, For I do not do the good I want, but I do the evil I do not want. Miserable one that I am. Who will deliver me from this mortal body? Early Jewish converts to Christianity wanted to impose the Jewish law on every disciple of Christ, even the Gentiles. Paul rejects that premise, insisting that salvation comes through faith in Jesus as the Son of God, not through strict observance of the law. The law had served its purpose. It had proven to the Jewish people that no one could fulfill its provisions. Every person fell short time and time again. What or who answers Paul's plea for deliverance from his human weakness? The answer comes just after when he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Peace, first in the individual heart and ultimately among all people, comes not from beating everyone over the head with the law, which only results in frustration and condemnation, but by allowing the spirit of Christ to reign in us. He is the true law in the flesh and the only law we need. Only then will our bodies do what our souls desire. Jesus is the Messiah King, conquering the world from the inside out, starting in ourselves, then conquering those around us, not with intimidation and force, but with the indefensible weapon of love. That is how Jesus can say, my yoke is easy and my burden light. So many Christians see faith as a burden, a constant struggle. It's a list of rules and regulations that I can never master. So why bother to try it all? That's why it's such a hard sell. But the reality is what Paul tries to tell us. We no longer need to fight the battle, but rather allow ourselves to be conquered. And that also means that we're not tasked with conquering others either, but merely with introducing them to he who has conquered us. The church will then be universal and his kingdom firmly established forever. Pope Francis recently appointed Argentine Archbishop Victor Manuel Fernandez as the new prefect of the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith, the DDF. At first, Fernandez refused the appointment, feeling that he was unqualified to lead the most historically powerful department in the church, responsible for protecting and transmitting the fullness of the faith. The Holy Father convinced Fernandez to reconsider by sharing with him his vision of the role. In centuries past, the DDF's predecessors have been responsible for such activities as the Inquisition and other harsh disciplinary tactics to compel the obedience of believers. And not only didn't work, 
and may have ultimately fed the anti-church, anti-church sentiment of the Protestant Reformation that continues to tarnish the church's image even today. In stark contrast, Pope Francis quotes his own words in Evangelium Gaudium in telling Fernandez, the DDF's central purpose is to guard the teaching that flows from the faith in order to give reasons for our hope, but not as an enemy who critiques and condemns. Further, the Holy Father quotes his motu proprio, Fidem Servare. It is a matter of increasing the understanding and transmission of the faith in the service of evangelization, so that its light may be a criterion for understanding the meaning of existence. In other words, the DDF's mission is ultimately the church's mission, your mission and mine, not to beat people over the head with what we believe, but to show how the faith illuminates the real beauty of our lives, not as a burden to be carried, but a joy to be lived. That is how we can help Jesus conquer the world. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Have a great day and say a prayer for me. 